families that I was uh, kind of <laughs> shopped around to, so to speak, uh, they really you looked whore. at it as a I, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and a really cheap one. I don't make a lot of money. I don't make a lot of money. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. So you lie to yourself to be happy. There's nothing wrong with that. We all do it. We all go a little mad sometimes. Come on. One of you nuts has got any guts. What's but a smile on that face? You're only as healthy as you feel. Listen to me! Listen to you by what right? Because I have a right to be. And I have a voice! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Pop Culture Case Study. Yeah, let's do it. I'm pumped. Let the healing begin. Alright, hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of Pop Culture Case Study, where we analyze pop culture from a psychological angle, a part of the following films network. So this week, uh, we have a little bit of a special extra episode for you guys. Um, I'm bringing on an old friend... Uh, who hasn't been on here in some time. Uh, this is uh, Webb Bist of the podcast Darn That Dream. So thank you for coming back, Webb. Oh, man. I'm I'm so – I'm terrible because, yeah, I, I kind of took my ball and went home when things were uh, uh, getting kind of rough uh, in, in my personal life. I just needed to kind of take care of a lot of stuff. So uh, I did take a break out of the podcasting game. but um, And I really, when I kind of hopped back on Twitter and was just like, hey, what's happening with everybody? Uh, it, it took me all of like a few days to get that itch again to record. So um, I'm so happy to be back here. And I'm so happy that people, specifically you, uh, <laughs> Sheila, and you know, a select few uh, um, still uh, kind of care about uh, other things that I have to say, considering how much I love Batman versus Superman, like I get it. You know, it's it's very easy to discount everything that I. I'm have more to concerned say. with your love for the latest X Men movie. That's that's just oh disturbing. Well, but before we before we get into movies, why don't you you have a brand new podcast? So why don't you briefly do. tell people about it and where they can subscribe? Absolutely. So this is an incredibly niche podcast, I believe. Uh, it's called uh, Darn That Dream, and uh, I came up with it. Uh, Mainly because I started watching a lot more uh, Bollywood films than I had in the past few years, and that's because I recently got married uh, to an Indian woman, and I am Indian, and so, you know, it's not, I don't think that's surprising. And we'll get more into that today. So as I began to watch a lot of these Bollywood films, um, I realized something. I've been watching Bollywood films all my life. I grew up uh, of my first six years in India, um, and I noticed that Bollywood uh, is really big in India, but it's... It's a big in select other areas, but it doesn't have the critical um, adulation the way that a lot of great French and and right. um, you know Japanese and Chinese and all the other uh, different uh, cinema around the world. People don't look to uh, Indian cinema uh, uh, when they want, I guess, substance. Uh, there's a few directors mm -hmm. out there, Satyajit Ray, the Apu trilogy, you know, and Criterion is uh, bringing a lot of his films into focus, and which is awesome. Um, and even stuff that I've never heard of as well. So that's great. But uh, I started uh, looking at some of these films, and I'm like, this is really good, and there's more to this, and it's just sad that no, not enough people uh, know about it. So I wanted to put together uh, a show where I can discuss these films, kind of go through them, because they might be a little difficult to find, the films. So go through the films and their events. Um, and I'm not huge into... I know there are some movies and serials where spoilers do affect you know, the enjoyment of the, the film or the project. Um, I'm more of the mindset. The the films I discuss don't necessarily have to. Um, um, you don't. You can know what's happening, uh, what happens in the film, but still enjoy it and reap quite a bit from it, uh, uh, despite 
knowing what occurs. Uh, and so I want to th- personally like thank you for watching the film that I did my first episode on. There's only one episode. And unfortunately, you watched the wrong one. There are two films with the same title. So I'm so sorry that you... Uh, <laughs> And Three hours know. later, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> exactly. The, the one that I picked is only two hours. So yeah, of course. I do apologize for that. Um, and I'm going to try to select films that are either on iTunes or on Netflix. I know there's a couple on Netflix that are uh, really quite good and more modern than the one that I chose for my first episode. But uh, I'll try to record um, uh, try two a month, but we'll see how things go. Right now, Great. I'm going to take it as is. Nice. Uh, just Take it easy. Thank you so much for allowing me to mention that. Sure, yeah. Uh, So definitely go and subscribe to that. Just look up Darn That Dream on your podcast player of choice. All right, so this episode is going to be a little different. We are doing a kind of a review on on the big sick, and it's going to be spoiler heavy. We're not separating this into like a non-spoiler section and a spoiler section because I want this to be more of an organic conversation because one of the things uh, that got Webb and I talking online about how we should just get together and talk about this is not only the movie itself and the fact that you have like a Muslim, a Pakistani man in, in the lead, which you usually don't see, but also some of the kind of hot take negative reaction that it has gotten because it is a story about a brown man and a white woman. Uh, and we'll kind of reference an article about that, and we'll talk a little bit about that, and hopefully talk a little bit about uh, about Webb's own experience um, with with his own marriage and uh, with dealing with the the arranged marriage, which is a big plot point in this movie. And actually, there's a great episode of No Totally, if you go back way in the archives, where Webb, yeah. Webb did an episode all about like his feelings on arranged marriage and how he was raised and all that. So I, there'll be a little bit of crossover, I'm sure, between those two, but that's also a really great thing to listen to. All right. Um, so to start with, like, let's just talk about kind of general reactions. Like, I... I am kind of at the at the head of this parade. Like I love this movie. I cried during this movie at two different points. This really it really kind of pushed all my buttons. It's my favorite movie this year. A lot of it probably has to do with the fact that um about the personalities involved. Like I I knew their story going in. I'm a big fan of both Kamel Nanjiani and Emily Gordon who this movie their their romance is the basis for this film. So I absolutely loved it. Like I probably laughed harder during this movie than I've laughed at a movie in a long time there is a 9-11 joke in this movie that is like perfection mm-hmm. like it's pr- it's almost it's proof that you could joke about almost anything and make it funny and it's a great moment there's also great uh performances by the supporting cast not only uh ray romano and and holly hunter but also uh you know I, and this is terrible i don't even know the actors names but the the actors who played uh kamel's uh Mother and father, uh, Anupam Kher. Anupam Kher, yeah. And He's a Zenobia Shroff. Like, they were yeah. both wonderful. And it was nice to see. I was worried going into this movie that kind of the brown side of things would be either glossed over or would be really stereotypical and kind of hard to watch. But I did get the feeling that they were full characters. And as well as all these Pakistani women who kind of came into the picture through this arranged marriage subplot, like I felt like they all got their moment to shine and they weren't just like, they weren't just used as jokes. They were human beings, which I really, Mm -hmm. it's nice to see a romantic comedy with well-rounded characters. But what was your reaction to this movie? Um... I, I was uh, kind of torn where, like, I did appreciate a lot of the things that it did. Uh, you know, structure-wise, it was uh, it's stuck close to a proved uh, formula. I think that, that works pretty well in, mm-hmm. in rom-coms. But it was able to have its own 
uh, identity because of the different cultures. Um, I, again, loved uh, some of that edgy humor uh, with, with the 9-11 joke. You're absolutely right. Perfect. And, and it was delivered with the kind of deadpan that, you know, uh, uh, you see on like Flight of the Concord or just. It's, it's, it's what Kamel brilliant. was born to do. Like he's yeah. just he's so good with tone. Mm-hmm. Like, you could play up that joke way too much and it becomes offensive, but the fact that he basically says the line under his breath, like, makes it work. (laughs) So, I did appreciate a lot of that stuff. Um, Because the topics in this film, specifically arranged marriage, uh, second generation, um, uh, Desi, you know, uh, Southeast Asian uh, in America, because they were so close to home, I have a hard time um, looking at this film objectively. Sure. So, uh, um, while I... I, I think I absolutely recommend the film. Like, please check it out. I think it's uh, I think it is quite good um, because my own personal feelings. I'm kind of like, I'm OK. Like, it, it was a good film. I don't have too many bad things to say about it. Um, and and that's really more because I'm so uh, tied to the themes. And sometimes I can. And normally I think people would be like, well, then you must have really loved it. Um, but, uh, you know, I have a friend uh, who did a. Uh, a lot of the music, the original music stuff for uh, my old podcast, it's terrific, um, Matthew. And I asked him, he, was, he has a master's in percussions. He, he played the drums. I was like, did you watch Whiplash? Did you not love Whiplash? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, I, you know, he, last time I checked, he's like, I didn't see it. It was like, he doesn't have any interest. So right. um, sometimes when you're too close to something, sure. uh, you either you know, kind of stay away from it or you feel somewhat indifferent. About right. It, so and and um, in this movie there is a there is a moment where you know Kamel essentially stands up to his parents uh, yeah. and basically admit not only admits that he's dating and in love with a white woman that he has no plans to uh, be a part of an arranged marriage and is not sure what he thinks about religion and tradition um, mm-hmm. and for me like coming from my own background of difficulties with my own family like obviously not anywhere near the amount of adjustment needed. Uh, that that Kamel's life has had. I mean, what what a stark difference between you know being mm-hmm. raised in Pakistan and then coming to America and becoming more Western as your parents uh, in in his mind at least stay stuck in this this older frame of mind. Um, yeah. But I I've definitely had moments with my parents with religion where it was just like I don't want to do this and I don't know what I want and I don't know what I believe and that has to be okay. So that was a really moving moment for me and I was glad it. It wasn't something that was wrapped up. It wasn't something like, well, I know these nine things and this is why I'm right. I love yeah. the fact that his big moment was, I don't know. Yep. And, I, you know, and, and that's, that feels very honest and very real. Where most rom-coms, although this, this does adhere to that formula, most rom-coms would have a gigantic monologue about why he knows what he's doing is right and why Emily is the right person for him and, and all this. But it was just like, I don't know. And I just have to figure it out. So I really, I really dug that. But your perspective has got to be very different because, I mean, we had had a lot of discussions kind of offline about, you know, your, your feelings about arranged marriage and, you know, and Mm -hmm. it seemed like you were kind of, you were kind of in the middle. Like you felt like this is something that's important to me, but I'm also, I'm also an American and I'm pretty Western. So how does this all fit into Webb as a human being? So how did that, how did that affect your viewing, especially of that scene? Well, that scene was absolutely the best scene in the film for me. Mm. Um, the one that uh, that conversation that uh, Kamel has is the one that I kind of never wanted to have with my parents. And to this day, really haven't. I've had, mm-hmm. I think, versions of that, but um, never as direct because 
Uh, well, let me give you a quick background. I was born in India. I came to this country uh, when I was six and a half years old and have been here since then. Uh, I actually uh, didn't even go back to India until a few years ago, uh, and I didn't go back to see family. I actually went back to um, teach abroad. So, and India is a pretty big place. It, uh, and so I didn't even go to, uh, I went to Southern India to teach and I'm from Northern India, uh, New Delhi, the capital. And, uh, you know, you get in the culture, if you get to 30, you're old, that's right. it. Like you're just going to have a hard, you're gonna have a hard time uh, finding a spouse, right. um, at least through the traditional means. And so I was getting to around that. Age. I'm, I'm 30 now, by the way. <laughs> um, so, oh, that's it. Life's done. Um, so I was in my late twenties, uh, oh. and my, my parents were like, it's, it's getting time. And, uh, I have lived that, that struggle, the duality of I've lived in, I'm an American citizen. I am probably not as American as apple pie, maybe rhubarb pie. Um, <laughs> the, you know, kind of in the same realm. Um, I want to, I've always wanted to have a girlfriend and, and do all the American things. I wrote my college essays, but you know, around that as well. Um, but I just never could do it. Um, because, uh, I, I see things, as my parents see them as well, because I take that into account. They came to this country, uh, and again, that beautiful scene about what the American dream really is mm. for foreigners. Um, for for me, it wasn't, and for my parents, they didn't come to this country so that I could be an American. They uh, they came to this country so that I could be an Indian in America and kind mm. of uh, accept and and use the resources here that I would never have in my own country and it's right. you know there's a lot of people i know uh indian who are like no you have to you should stay in india and make the country a better place and i can understand that but i can also understand my parents who are like arch like they know the troubles that they had to go through in their lives and they know that they'll i'll have a better life here hmm. so it's that tricky balance of your culture versus um, where you are and how well you're acclimating to uh, the um, where you are now. Right. So uh, throughout high school, I did not get into any relationships. I spent my prom with my other Indian friend while we played Time Crisis 3 on the PlayStation. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, we watched, we did a movie marathon, including Seven. And so it's like, I, I did shy away from a lot of those more personal um uh, per personal relationships, uh, specifically right. with women. Uh, even in college, I, you know, uh, I was close. Like I thought for a while, I was like, maybe I should hang around with more Indian people because that way I won't, if I do end up, you know, f caring about some girl, then she'll be Indian and it'll be easier. Hmm. <laughs> and it, it kind of almost happened, but ultimately, you know, uh, it, the classic story of unrequited love. <laughs> um, and, and it, it kind of continued that way. It was a constant struggle. I was never able to tell my parents, like, hey, I want to, you know, see this girl, but she's not Indian. Um, even an Indian girl. Like, I, I couldn't do that because my parents planned for me, as always, was arranged marriage. And that's something that I was told as a child. Like, this is what's going to happen because this is how we got married. This is how our parents got married, et cetera. Right. So, so it sounds like you're yeah. talking about the difference between coming to the West and being a Westerner. So the yes. idea was for your family to come here and, you know, kind of take advantage of the advantages that you have as a citizen, but still mm -hmm. maintain the stability of of your kind of of your home country's culture. Yes. Right. 
It's so like, and that's a, that's a really tough balance, especially as a kid, especially as a high school yeah. student. Like you, I think people, especially of that age, have this natural tendency and desire to want to be like other people, especially the people around them. And when the yeah. people around you, other than your family, are so Western, a lot of times it's got to feel like you're kind of living these two lives. And I think you you definitely get a lot of that. Um, in the movie too, where you see mm-hmm. him with his comedian friends and with his girlfriend and he's kind of fun loving and, you know, like he's, you still a little the, a bit of that at home, but like he goes home and he like, you know, they tell him to go pray. So he goes and sets a timer on his phone, which is yeah. another great moment, really another really funny moment that I think that's what makes this movie great to me is it takes these funny moments in the beginning of the film and turns them into a dramatic moment later in the film when he admits to mm-hmm. not praying. Like that he just yep. goes and plays plays on his phone in the, in the basement when that happens. But I think with Kamel's character, you really can see these two separate lives. And I think all people experience that to some extent. Like you're a different person mm-hmm. with your family than you are with your friends. But yeah. but that difference is so stark when there's when there's a culture clash too. And at, it did also uh, one of the key variables is at what age do you come to this country? I came here when I was six mm. and a half, and especially in those early ages, if you're different. That's a very good so, way to get singled out. It's a social and, death sentence. I mean, it's, yep, yeah, yeah. And and let's be let's be frank about this. You're already fighting an uphill battle just based on the color of your skin. You're already yeah. standing out, especially to kids. Especially if kids have you know have learned kind of these racist tendencies from from their family. Like you're already mm-hmm. like. So it, it like behooves you as even as a child, he says like, you know, someone in first grade to try to blend in with that herd as best you can. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, I, I you know, if you're listening to me and you've never seen me, like, you probably couldn't tell that I'm Indian. I don't have an accent. I used to be able to read and write in Hindi. Uh, I always I pictured you anymore. like with a surfboard and blonde hair. That's... <laughs> right on. <laughs> yeah. I could see that. Uh, Absolutely. And, you know, there have been times in my life where I I wish like that's exactly what it was. I wish people would stop looking at my and I resented my culture for so long because Mm -hmm. of it. And I grew up in northern Virginia, a place where um, while there's there is a quite a bit of diversity, but it's not unlike uh, other parts of the country where it's a majority white population. Like that's just the, you know, uh, uh, the reality. So. Yeah, it it was really difficult for a long, long time, and only until recently, I'd say in the past decade or so, I really learned to embrace what makes me different, uh, mm-hmm. and, and why it's so important, and why my culture is important, and how it defines me. So when I see that uh, climactic scene where he ha- the the conversation with his parents when it finally you know everything's out in the open, um, it was. I, I was watching an alternate reality where I said these things to my parents. Right. Um, but in the reality where I am right now, like the way I watched it, I was, I was completely on the side of the parents. Like, hmm. because Do you I feel understand. like that's because you went that other route? Uh, because um, you ended up in an arranged marriage that, yes. is, that has worked out. You're married now and happy. Yep. So, yeah, I could definitely see how that would flip things because it, you know, I think the only negative I can say about this movie, and it's probably only because I know you that I would mm-hmm. have this thought. Like, it's it's interesting because if you don't, if you've never met or talked to anyone who has been part of an arranged marriage or is interested in arranged marriage, it's very easy from our kind of Western perspective to be like, well, that's horrible. 
You know, yeah. you don't get to make your own show, blah, 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 all this, all this stuff, all this kind of white fucking nonsense where we don't <laughs> understand other people's perspectives. It's easy to go there. Uh, and this movie, it does a good job of balancing, I think, but there is a little bit of like, and of course, this is from Camille and Emily's perspective of this kind of yeah. looking at an arranged marriage, like, I don't want that. So it's viewed as the kind of negative side of that coin. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that, that you, you watch it and of course see things from even though the the parents at some point are kind of they're not the bad guys but they're definitely obstacles right. in this relationship that we're rooting for so it's just a thing that you ended up rooting of course you ended up rooting <laughs> for the bad guy you would <laughs> <laughs> right the, the thing is uh, and i think the misconception sometimes the range marriage is that word arranged it's a bit of a misnomer uh, at least in today's uh, society i was not told that this is the person you have to marry I was simply like, hey, my parents um, uh, found this other family. Uh, they have a daughter my age. Why don't you talk to her? And right. why don't you know exchange information? See if you guys get along. If you do, great. Then we'll move forward in the process. Um, so ultimately, it was my parents setting me up with somebody. It's like an uh, extended blind date. Like, here's this yeah. person we think you would like. Here exactly. you go. Mm-hmm. And my experience with it was pretty uh, horrific because of a lot of the stereotypes that you kind of associate. Um, like, you know, uh, I'm Indian, so you know, somebody might think, "Oh, well, I might have like a job in IT or engineering or 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 uh, in medicine, and I might be making a certain amount of money." Right. And so, a lot of the uh, families that I was uh, kind of <laughs> shopped around to, so to speak, uh, they really you looked whore. at it as a I, yeah, pretty much. Ran <laughs> <laughs> a really cheap one. I don't make a lot of. Money. I don't make a lot of money. Uh, you know, I I don't necessarily always need the finer things in life, and so that kind of uh, some of the philosophies that I've, that I've adopted from the Western world, um, and, and you know, fairly liberal stuff, where I think we should do good for poor people, and I think we should uh, uh, do what we can for the community. Stuff that might not. Uh, be the first thing um, in in other countries. I hate to say that, but that's kind of the reality, mm-hmm. um, at least in the societies that I've I've been around, where a lot of people, uh, you know, tend to be a little more selfish. Sure. And so, when I would meet, you know, um, or sometimes it didn't even get to the point where I met them. Like my parents would simply like present some of my qualifications, like what do I what I do and and the amount of money that I make. Uh, the other family would just say no. Like right. we don't want somebody who makes that little money and then we don't want, you know, so depending on. So it sounds a little bit is, like a job interview where yeah, it's like, no, I'm absolutely. sorry, you don't meet these qualifications that so you don't mm-hmm. get it. You don't get the in-person interview. Like you, <laughs> exactly. you get the form email, like just <laughs> dear applicant, thank you for your time. Yes. Pretty much. Um, and, and my parents gave me quite a bit of grief over that. They're like, we told you to go to medicine. It would be a lot easier for us if you just, and, uh, there are, uh, Indian websites of versions of, okay, Cupid, except mm. it's like, okay, marriage essentially, right. uh, where that's literally the point. And, uh, when I did find a couple, um, profiles, really actually my parents, uh, my mom set up my profile without my consent and I had no idea about nice. this until much later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the one thing I think is this was the one thing I always will remember uh, in the profile uh, because 
on the site, you see other members of your family can create profiles for you. So under the about me section, uh -oh. uh, my mother wrote, he's very introverted, but he's really quite nice. <laughs> that that is such a me. mom comment. Like, yeah, I mean, it's it's fairly accurate. Like, I, mean, I can't not, give her crap. It's not but... not true. I mean, it's, <laughs> all of those things are accurate. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So, so uh, no, yeah. go ahead. Oh, but uh, ultimately, uh, the people, the the women uh, that I did get to speak with, uh, they either were not interested in arranged marriage, and they were only meeting me or, or speaking to me because their family forced them to. So I got uh, that as well. Um, I did not. Uh, really have um, the experience that Kamal did in the film where, you know, these women are just lining up and, you know, uh, essentially giving those, uh, uh, like, profile uh, photographs with right. all their information on the back. Like, I did not have that experience. And maybe and maybe that's how it works in uh, the Muslim cult. I'm not Muslim. Um, mm -hmm. I grew up a Hindu. So uh, it, that might be it, although uh, it is a little bit of a... Um, I don't want to say character, but that's one of the things in the film that uh, stood out to me. I was like, that doesn't seem realistic. I have not seen something like yeah, that. Yeah, I mean, it would not surprise me if that isn't accurate even to his experience. I think it, it works comedically because yeah. you give you give not only all of these women in a chance to kind of interact with the main character and have their moments, have their jokes, but you also get the moments with the mom. Oh, they just stopped by. Like you get yeah. that, you get that recurring joke, which really works. Like there's, for me, there was never a moment when she said those words where I didn't laugh. Like it just, mm -hmm. it worked, it worked in a situation comedy way. It worked in a romantic yeah. comedy way. And, you know, it was again, another, another of those moments that I was like, Oh good. Like the, the Brown actors actually get a chance to shine in this movie. It's not just like, Kamel gets to shine and then is surrounded by a bunch of white people like, you know, Bo Burnham is in this movie. And, you know, yeah. all these white comedians keep popping up and, you know, and him and Zoe Kazan who have great chemistry together. But I was glad mm -hmm. the family gets a chance to shine. The other thing that made me really happy about this is they show his brother who yeah. is in an arranged marriage and really happy. And he, he tells this story where they're they're getting food and they're just kind of talking. And he said, yeah, it was weird at first. You know, we were kind of getting to know each other, but now she's my best friend. And I was yeah. like, that is so sweet. That is so even keel and not something I would expect in a movie that's kind of like this is the Western way and I'm we're following this westernized Pakistani character. I was glad that they kind of showed both sides and they showed a character who had gone through an arranged marriage and loved it and was really happy with his life instead of seeing that as the the worst thing that could happen to our main character. Yeah. And I wish we had a little more of that. Like, I sure. didn't get a sense of, like, I, I'm glad that he mentioned that he was happy. I wish we saw a few scenes where they maybe had an argument or maybe they right. had some, uh, just a, an outing where the two of them got to uh, interact. So right. that would have sure. been nice. But um, And I think the one thing this movie, for the most part, does well is that it doesn't necessarily uh, uh, – criticize arranged marriages even no. though it shows some of the some of the negative aspects of it um but it, it tries to walk that line where it's like this is not for him um by the end i did feel like it was not an attack but just i mean it's it's from his point of view right you know the movie so it, it's gonna uh, uh make arranged marriages at least to his experience be somewhat negative so right yeah i did see that and and while i also had a negative experience that's not that doesn't say much about the uh, the process. More about the individuals, I think, yeah. who are participating in it. 
Yeah, which is, you know, the Western stereotype, right? Like we focus yeah. we focus so much more on the individual than the kind of the mm-hmm. the institution at large. Like I don't yeah. I don't feel like this movie really is saying anything about mm-hmm. the institution of arranged marriage. What I got was yeah. this wasn't for him. And I think what really solidified that for me is you do get to see a little bit of not only him loving his family, but him being passionate about his country of origin. Like he creates yeah. a one man show about Pakistan. Like, it's mm-hmm. just like, here's all the things we do. Here's, let me explain cricket to you, like all this stuff. And I was glad that they, like, I felt like the, the jokes in that were more of that kind of like awkward humor. Like it wasn't designed to really make you laugh, but more laugh at the situation he was in. But I was glad that it showed like he does have a passion for his culture. He's not just like this, you know, to use an offensive term, this completely whitewashed whitewashed guy who's like only thinks about the American way of things. I was glad yeah. that they included that. Um, but one of the reasons I really wanted to talk to you is mm-hmm. we were both talking offline about these kind of hot takes that are coming out, the anti-big yeah. sick hot takes. So there's a hot take for everything. So if you like something, don't worry. Someone is there to tell you you're wrong. Uh, <laughs> you're wrong to like it and that you're a bad person. <laughs> so um, I want to start this with a caveat and just kind of talk very briefly about our backgrounds. You've heard Web Talk. He is, mm-hmm. you know, an Indian American. He is male. I am a white guy. I'm a queer white guy, but I'm a white guy. Neither one of us are brown women. Uh, and this article yeah. that we're going to talk about was from the perspective of, a, I think, a Muslim American woman. Um, so uh, if you want to look it up, it's on uh, it's on Jezebel, uh, and I have it right here. And basically the, ti- the title of it is, I'm tired of watching brown men fall in love with white women on screen. And this is written, written by, and I'm, I'm sorry if I butcher this name, Aditi Natasha Kini. Um, so she talks and she brings up some valid points. I personally feel like this is the wrong movie to use as the basis of your argument. We come back always to this is a true story. This is his experience. But I yeah. think what she's getting across is it's these movies, these and there's been a couple examples recently where there's been a a brown man falling in love with a white woman. She also brings up Master of None, which I haven't seen, so I can't really speak on. Mm-hmm. But it seems to be more acceptable and gets more money put behind it if you have yeah. a brown man falling in love with a white woman as opposed to, like, say, two brown Muslim people falling in love in a romantic comedy and that being the story. Um, yeah. So I do feel like this is the wrong, and they, you know, they use the big sick as an example, which I think is a mistake. And they've got pictures of, you know, Emily Gordon and and Kamel, and it's like that's a real life love story. Like maybe just leave that in the past. Like I get it; it's going to get your SEO clicks and all that because it's, yeah. it's it's popular right now. But maybe write this article when Master of None season two came out, like six months ago or whatever it was. Then then you have something to kind of talk about. Because some of that may be based on truth, but it's not a quote-unquote true story. Um, and Kamala and Emily, that's a real thing. They are a real husband and wife in love, and they care about mm-hmm. one another. And this was their opportunity to tell their story, which I'm fine with. But I do think there's an interesting conversation to be had about this idea of – and this is the ultimate Western thing, right? A, a brown man becoming Western and becoming a popular yeah. comedian and marrying into whiteness, as it were. So I think there's mm-hmm. some interesting points there. I just feel like this is the wrong movie for her to bring this up about. I like a lot of what she said. I just feel like attacking the big sick is is not the best way to go about it. Well, the trouble with not attacking the big sick is because then you're left with master of none. And I don't know how many 
uh, uh, movies or TV shows there are featuring brown men with white women. I mean, I, I yes, you mentioned the Big Bang Theory, and and I hate to say it, but as much as I appreciate the uh, um, inclusion of Raj as a character on that show, uh, I mean, he's really the butt of pretty much every joke, and a, a lot of gay jokes too for the course of uh, almost like four or five seasons. Um, there's just not that many examples. So while I agree with you, yes, like th- I, this is probably not the perfect uh, um, movie to um, showcase her frustrations, I guess. There's just not that many examples out there. So I can understand. And you're right. It's it's a hot topic right now. Uh, the movie just came out. So people want to uh, uh, read more about it and what other people thought. So, uh, yeah, it's kind of a catch 22 here. Yeah, the example I- she comes up with um, or not comes up with the example she mentioned here. Start with start way back in 1915. There's a silent film called The Cheat. And then there's modern examples. You mentioned Big Bang Theory. Uh, Google in The Namesake, Ravi in Meet the Patels, Tom mm-hmm. Haverford in Parks and Recreation, and Dev Shaw in Master of None. And actually, like, and who knows, there may be many, many other examples that I'm just not aware of because I just, I haven't seen everything. Um, but to my eyes, as I read that, that seems, it feels like a very pick and choose group. Yeah. It feels like, you know, like, <sighs> You know, one, uh, given where Parks and Recreation takes place, uh, there's not going to be a lot exactly. of brown people. I mean, I mean, they make it a plot point that he is, like, one of the only non-white people in the area. Like, you know, him and... Um, uh, Donna. Yeah, him and Donna are two of the only people of color who show up in yeah. that show because it's set in the Midwest. And I, and I get, like, you easily could bring on a guest star to be a love interest for Tom, who is brown. And, and, and I get I get that, like, you can explain all these away by plot reasons, and there's more plot reasons that you could bring in to have a person of color in that role. But it just – and from my very white, very privileged, very male perspective, I was very surprised to read this headline – that like I'm so tired mm-hmm. of seeing this as if we've seen so many partnerships yeah. of brown men and white women. And actually, usually I would think like people of color, if you have men of color involved with women who are white in film, if anything, it tends to get a negative reaction kind of from both sides of the aisle. We're still not over exactly. this interracial relationship thing. Like it's it's been going and on then- for decades, but we're still <laughs> having trouble with it. And then the social justice crusaders could also uh, attack it for or, uh, the reason that you just mentioned. Okay, so let's say you have a plot point and you have Tom Haverford fall in love with somebody who is Indian or somebody who is Muslim. Then what? He can't have a relationship with a white person? They have to right. work in a brown person? So, yeah, ultimately, like, nobody is ever happy. And yeah. that's the There's no the winning <laughs> that battle because you're right. Then it feels like, oh, we just got a token person of color because yeah. there's a person and they can only be together. And that's just – I mean, if you go out into any major city and look around, there are interracial relationships everywhere. And, like, yeah. it's not as if people just, quote, unquote, stick with their own. Like, that doesn't really happen. Like, yes, people in interracial relationships are going to have to deal with a lot more bullshit than people who are in relationships, like, who are white and with other white people, who are black, with other black people, brown, with other – whatever. They're going to yeah. have to deal with it more. But it does happen. So, like, at some point, shouldn't shouldn't what we see on screen represent uh, some of what's happening in the world? And, of course, you could make the same argument – for casting a brown man and having a brown woman as his love interest because there's plenty of that going on too. But mm. I just feel like it makes it feel like it's an epidemic 
And yeah. I just and maybe I'm missing it. That's totally possible. So if I'm you, I'm missing it as well. Yeah. So yeah. listeners, if you hear this and you're like, oh, these fucking idiots, they're not seeing what I'm seeing. <laughs> write me write me an email. You know, popculturecasestudy at gmail.com or find me on Twitter at pckstudy and tell me what I'm missing because I. I am usually the first to get in line to get enraged. I am the one of the biggest <laughs> liberals you'll ever meet, but I have a really hard time getting getting behind this. It's I'm not saying she shouldn't have said it. I'm saying like I don't understand and I want to understand more, but I am glad that the conversation is happening. I'm just not sure it should be attached here. Yeah, um, all 15 of my followers on Twitter. Yeah, let me know what you think. Um, so the first thing that uh, popped um, out to me right in the be- uh, beginning of this article, the first uh, is the last sentence of the first uh, paragraph, which is um, the uh, brown women are portrayed as uh, caricatures, stereotypes, inconsequential, and or the butt of the joke. I, I saw I, the only thing that sticks out in my mind is the. Um, uh, one woman who says the truth is out there in a heavy accent. I didn't and, and think I, that made her the butt of the joke. I was the other the other side of that is Kamel could have taken that joke. Yeah. And there's a certain amount of selflessness that is like, you know what? This is going to be funnier if you say it. And that mm-hmm. stuff worked. And it's it even though I've never been in a situation where I'm going to be in an arranged marriage, I've all, I've been on blind dates. And there yeah. is that thing where you just really want to impress that person. Like you, you find out one or two things they like and you want to like, yes. and she does yeah. it very awkwardly, but it like, it's, it's endearing. I don't, I don't, I didn't feel like she was there to be laughed at. I felt like that was a really approachable, like relatable feeling, even though that's something I've never experienced. I completely agree with that um, because I, I, I've had uh, um, phone conversations with women who I've spoken to only once and all of a sudden the arranged marriage is getting thrown around where I have right. literally I, – I, in my hands, I have like three index cards full of topics that I need to <laughs> check right, off right. and then I make the phone call. You know, And yeah. so it, I, I also found it a little bit endearing that she researched – you know, right. uh, the X-Files for this meeting. And, and it, it was, she wasn't the butt of the joke. Uh, she just happened to be the, the – she happened to say the punchline. That's right. it. Yeah. Um, inconsequential, I could see that. Most of the women tended to be inconsequential to ultimately – Yeah, because he's, they're not his love interest in this movie. Exactly. I mean that's yeah. like – you could say that about any romantic comedy ever made because usually in a romantic comedy there's – there's a period of time where those two aren't together and they're flirting or talking with other people. And those other people are there to be funny, to be enjoyable, but not mm-hmm. to be a part of the end of that story. Yeah. And that's okay. Like, and, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. Though uh, the one word, stereotypes, that she mentions in this article, I think uh, this film actively went against that. Uh, the best one is the um, the woman who comes in and she knows how to speak Urdu, but she was like born and oh, brought up in America. because. Great. Yeah, because that is a very real thing uh, where, uh, you know, both both sides, actually, like people who are brought up here, um, like Indian people who are brought up in America, don't know a lick of English or uh, Urdu. Um, and the same thing the other way, where at home, it's a very Indian or, or Muslim or, or Pakistani um, uh, environment and outside is American. And so there's some right. parents who are very strict about that. So. I mean, I, I thought it was a great scene when she's like, no, I, I can speak Urdu. I know exactly uh, uh, what it is you guys are saying. And, and, you know, and I don't have too many opportunities to be like, get those subtitles off the screen for me. I know what she's saying. <laughs> you know, uh, when Tony Stark gets uh, um, kidnapped in the first Iron Man, like I was like, I could, you know, I'm listening to the demands I of the parents. So like, 
yeah, I got it. And there were no subtitles there. And I was like, right on. So I felt, felt good about that. Um, so, yeah, but right off the bat, like, uh, I feel like the women portrayed here weren't uh, um, caricatures or stereotypes. I mean, I, I in my experience, they accurately represented the, the kind of uh, women that I either was trying to you know uh, trying to meet for an arranged marriage or just met um in school and and on the streets right so i guess i just have like one final question for you and it's going to be a little hard to answer because you're kind of going to have to put yourself in a place that you're not in currently but let's say you saw this movie when you and i first met and were first talking and you were kind of in that in-between place where you wanted to respect your culture but you're also struggling with that kind of pull of western society so how do you think you would have experienced this movie differently like if you hadn't chosen the route yet that you have? I think I still would have uh, uh, sided with the parents a little bit, but I would have been much more uh, empathetic, I think, towards Kamal in that in that scene. Um, and I because I know exa- even now, to be honest with you, I completely understand where he's coming from. I ultimately uh, – uh, I guess I'm more a dutiful son than I am uh, um, uh, somebody who focuses on the individual. And not that that's right or wrong. Mm-hmm. It's just like I've decided that my priorities uh, tend to, you know, I take the back seat when it comes to the priorities of my family and my culture. Like I, I do look at uh, the uh, the whole is, you know, greater than than the sum of its parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's not a, a viewpoint that everyone shares. And I understand that. And, and that that one line that he has, uh, why did you bring me to America if you don't want be, me to be American? It just it rang true in a way that, you know, uh, I think no other film really has come close to. And that that's right. something I often think about. Uh, but and there's right, also a line in that scene. His father kind of comes back at him like you are you know, you are here for us. Yeah. Not just for you. And I was glad that was there because I think that's one of the, one of the many things for me that makes this movie stand out. And you talk about the whole being greater than the sum of its parts. That's how I feel about this movie. Like it's not a flashy movie behind the camera. Um, Mm -hmm. The jokes are funny. The romance works, but neither of them are like the best ever. But the fact that you can, you can have empathy for Kamel and Emily's Emily stand-in, who I, I just keep calling her Emily because that's that's the real person. Uh, but yeah. oh, she's Emily in this too. They just gave her a different last name. But you can also feel what the parents feel, like yeah. not only his Pakistani family, but Emily's family after she goes into a coma and kind of you know Holly Hunter, especially like not wanting him there because like he you know he hurt he broke their daughter's heart but you know Kamel's family too you're like even though that's not my family and my experience it's amazing how well that came across and it didn't come across Mm -hmm. as foreign or so different or I don't understand like when they were arguing with each other on both sides you're kind of like I get it and to me that's the mark of a great kind of familial story is if you can understand when two people are having an argument you can understand where they're both coming from um, and, and another line, and I, I believe Anupam Kher uh, did write some of his own dialogue for mm. that scene. Um, he did. I, yes, that's right. I remember reading that. Yep. Yeah. And uh, one of the things that he says is like, you know, he came to this country in his like late 40s or 50s and had to go back to school, get the same degrees he already right. had. And he was also kind of, uh, you know, singled out because he was 
uh, in classes with 20 year olds. So right. when I hear those things and the, the and you know similar struggles that my parents had to go through, my my father when he came to this country uh, had was working three jobs at one point and going to community college. And so right. it's like I I remember uh, a lot of that and it and that's why I chose the you know i made the decision that i made you know because i understand what my right. parents sacrificed and that's just where i'm coming from uh, and and that's why i kind of sided with the parents at that time not just because i love villains because yeah of course <laughs> want to watch the world burn so but you know i i really did um see it from their perspective mm-hmm. and 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 it, it really it, it's a i was really torn in that scene because right. it, it that again like i said that's a conversation that i never wanted to have with my parents um, and to this day, I still haven't. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think this is a this is a movie. Although you mentioned like it being a romantic comedy and going through those tropes does uh, does stretch itself. And I I appreciate a movie that does that. So I highly urge people to go see it, especially because it's a, basically an independent film. It didn't get a super wide release. It's starting to release wider now. Yeah. So you do have the opportunity to see it. I would. I mean, I, you already mentioned that you would recommend it. You're not as big of a fan mm-hmm. of it. As I am, but uh, but I would definitely recommend it. Like I think it's it's nice to see something different in the genre out there, and something that's heartwarming and leaves you feeling good yeah. by the end of the movie. It was a good experience for me. Well, I think one thing I would like to, I mean, and this movie really couldn't have done it. I think I would like to see a movie with a very similar plot, except this time the 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 white person, whether it's a guy or a girl, is not is being. Uh, um, spending more time with the Indian or the mm. Pakistani culture yeah. because I think it would go very different. It would play out very differently because <laughs> I would love to oh, see boy. that okay. too. Yeah. Like I, I think Americans and, and the Caucasian community, I know it doesn't always seem like it, but they are generally more accepting of another culture than, uh, than a foreign culture to America is mm-hmm. the other way around. I feel like that, that is uh, again in my experience but that's also the- probably because when when those interactions happen like say i'll use me as an example although i've mm-hmm. never experienced this if i'm going into a pakistani or an indian house mm-hmm. i don't feel like when i leave my culture is at risk whereas right. whereas people of different descent when they come here they feel i would assume i don't know this but i would assume they feel like i have to protect my culture because no one else here will they expect me to be westernized they expect me to be culturally yeah. white so if i don't protect this it's gone or i'll have to go back to my home country to mm-hmm. get it again whereas like as white people we are not at risk of of losing anything right. really like i can walk in and i can be respectful and learn that culture as best i can and then i can walk out and go to mcdonald's or like you know go back to my house <laughs> and play video games like there's no there's no risk there so i think I think, yes, you're probably right, but I also think it's because it's easier being white in America mm-hmm. than it is anything else. Yeah, I, and, and that actually brings up a really interesting point that I, I definitely wanted to discuss with you. Uh, when I first read the uh, uh, title of this article, my immediate thought was, are, are people in India watching Bollywood films or, or you know, in Japan or anywhere in the country – being like, why aren't there more white people represented? Uh, and I know that America is the melting pot or whatever, or, or you know, the, uh, the salad bowl. <laughs> the salad, salad yes. bowl. Yeah. Um, and I understand that. But I am not offended by, you know, 
these movies that have primarily white cast because I understand that I'm in America and a majority of the population is Caucasian. And I know that they're all, yeah, for now, exactly. <laughs> and I understand that. And I, I just, I wonder how many, if this uh, situation or this uh, cause is as prevalent outside of this country. I, I just, yeah. I don't know. Um, how many South African films, you know, get uh, accused of these same uh, uh, sins? I, I don't know. I, I completely understand, and I know that a lot of people on social media are working very hard to, to fight a certain kind of racism. Sometimes I feel like people need to see racism in something. Right. Uh, when I don't know if, if whether, and then people who, gosh, I'm just now, now it's just a entropy of, of, terrible words and <laughs> <laughs> like now uh, undercooked ideas but you know uh, sometimes somebody may say something that might come off as slightly racist but that's not their intent and i know that intent doesn't necessarily mean that they're in the right but what, whatever yeah but i, I, but I, I think in, intent plays a part i think it's important to understand where people are coming from and i certainly have a lot of empathy for people of color who have essentially been under attack their their whole lives by by the issue of race. I'm lucky enough that I am white, so there have been drastically long periods in my life where I didn't think about race because I didn't have to. And I grew yeah. up in an affluent place, and there was not a lot of diversity, so it wasn't something that I ever had to think about. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I want to say that up front. But I also think, like, the big sick is not um, – Oh God, the word is failing me. It's not. Um, it's not the the Scarjo whitewashing controversy. Yeah, that there is. There's definitely something to lean on. It's a Japanese property, and mm -hmm. if you look at what happens in the movie, it's kind of not kind of. It's fucking insulting. Uh, the the way that stuff works out. The reason that that character is white is kind of gross. But this is based on a real story, and sometimes yeah. sometimes Pakistani men and white women fall in love, and it's a beautiful story, and it's okay. And yeah. it's okay to just kind of revel in the goodness of that instead of like – I think it's – I used to have these discussions. I used to work with my wife. I used to work in the same job and we had a new boss come in who was trying to like clean house and it was one of those things. And they had cameras where I worked because I worked in a casino and I used to tell people you can't be perfect. No matter how good you are, if someone watches you for long enough, they're going to yeah. find something wrong. And that's kind of how I feel about this is that, you know, if you want to find something that you don't like about representation, about a movie, you can. Yep. And I, in sometimes I feel like, and this is probably really insensitive, but sometimes I feel like, really, is this the hill? Like, there are a lot of real, there are a lot of problems in the world and there's a lot of problems with race and there's a lot of problems with representation. Yeah. But would this be any worse or any better if we recast Zoe Kazan as as a westernized Muslim woman who is brown? Like mm -hmm. that seems just as dishonest and disingenuous to me and that that seems wrong too. Like you don't have the the systemic racism part of it, but it still feels like okay, now you're just trying to make people happy instead of telling your story. Yeah. Um Again, because it's based on a true story, I can't say too much. But uh, I would have liked to see um, the character who I don't I don't remember her character's name, uh, but uh, the one um, uh, uh, Pakistani woman that he does have kind of uh, uh, 
Oh, spends more time with, and she right. says, "Hey, let's meet up." I would have liked to have seen that relationship flourish a little bit, and then maybe towards the end have him make a, a grander decision, perhaps. But it was fine because ultimately, because he knows that he doesn't want to get an arranged marriage, and that's it, and that's where he wanted to stop it. So I, I found it a little cruel what he did in that scene, but also very responsible as to he doesn't want to string this woman along. Yeah, it was cruel, but I also liked that he didn't win. In that circumstance, yeah. she he let her, he just listened to yeah. her rage for about a minute. And it was, and she should be angry. She should be upset. She has yeah. every right to be. And I like that he never tried to shut her down. He, he knew what he was doing was cruel and right. And he just kind of let her anger just kind of wash over him and be like, I'm yeah. sorry. Like, this is. This is the situation we're in, yeah. and that sucked. Uh, and that that actress name is Vela Lavelle, and that's actually I think someone else who was brought up in that article, but she is not exact. She's not of Pakistani descent, and that's mm-hmm. something else that this author was upset about. And I get that. <laughs> like if you're gonna, yeah, if you're gonna have argument. a Pakistani woman play the most major part in this movie, probably should get a Pakistani woman to play that part. Yeah. But you know, you know, that's like you said, a whole different conversation. But. Uh, yeah, I think I think that covers everything I want to cover. Um, was there any last thing you wanted to say that you didn't get a chance to say yeah. with this, without this white guy talking over you? Please go ahead. <laughs> the only thing I wanted to mention is this uh, the, one thing the article that brings up that I had never even heard of is and I quote here whiteness as the ultimate desire the highest goal in defining oneself as an American. It's like oh my god, am I not American? Because because I, I don't have a white woman? Is that what happened? That's it. You were realize. so close, Fred. <laughs> had to go the arranged marriage route. You're so close I, to being a real American. Yeah, and it just, so, they just ripped the rug out from under you. And I had never heard uh, uh, this complaint before. I didn't realize that this was an issue that uh, brown women faced. And if it is, if, if there are brown female listeners out there, I would love to have this discussion. Uh, maybe... Uh, they've been in situations where they were dumped because they were – I don't know. So uh, I, I would really like to uh, know more about this. I'd never heard of it. I didn't realize that uh, that was uh, on my checklist of, of you know making sure that I'm an American. Right. Wasn't on my citizen exam. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that brings up a really good point and something I kind of want to close with is I feel like like anyone else, um, both of us are learning. Uh, yeah. And if we said anything here that's truly offensive, I, I apologize. Please call me on it. I'd rather know than just be in my bubble thinking everything I said was a-okay and right because there are probably some things that are some really sensitive areas for people that aren't for me. So I do want to hear from listeners and not just if you really love the episode and thought everything we said was perfect. I, I mean, that's great too. You want to send that email. I always love those. <laughs> but uh, but I also want to learn. I want to be better. I want to do better. So please let me know if there are things we are missing and if there are things other things that we should have brought up that we didn't um as for me i don't know i've I've thin and weak skin i've got eczema uh i like my bubble now i'm gonna Uh, give you like a dramatic (laughs) reading i'm gonna record it and send it to you (laughs) no please of course yeah uh yeah i and i i too um you know ultimately I, I want to be a good man and I want to be um, – I, I never want to stop learning. So yeah, I and the more perspective, the the better. And at the – you know, even with this article, like the, the, this movie has gotten people talking. It's gotten us talking about topics that normally we wouldn't. And, and so right. um, 
that that in and of itself alone, I think, um, makes makes a big difference. Um, and I love films that divide people. You know, Batman mm-hmm. versus Superman wasn't the best. No, I'm not even gonna stop <laughs> it. Stop it. But yeah, no, but I totally when agree. A, yeah, when a film, uh, even if it's uh, um, universally like you know uh, loved as you know, it's Rotten Tomato scores in like the mid '90s or something. Yeah. Uh, or like even then, like you can have this kind of discussion where. Um, um, it started from one place and it's not even about the movie anymore. You know, right, it, it's right. about uh, so much more. So I really do appreciate. So absolutely. Please go see this film because, uh, um, I, I want more of this. I, I yeah. love seeing, um, different stuff, uh, in, in, uh, up on the big screen. Yeah. And like you said, I mean, like I think you're getting at art is supposed to challenge you and it's nice to see that something that could be as disposable as a rom-com, can actually, you know, kind of these conversations can happen based on that, based on like, you know, a movie that's like, you know, an hour and 45 minutes and it's about two people falling in love, but there's so much more to it. You know, it's nice to see that we can still have that kind of entertainment that can be disposable, but can also spur these conversations. So I wanted to take just one last second to thank you uh, for oh, this conversation uh, because because uh, it can put it can put the the person of color in this in this conversation can be put in this place of like having to defend themselves or having to like you know dance around topics so i appreciate you making time to come on and have this conversation cuz and also i've just been dying to talk about this movie with someone uh cuz we're not covering on the yeah. show and no one else says so <laughs> nice to to be able to talk about this so thank you oh no i i appreciate um I appreciate the topics that were brought up in this movie and the fact that there is somebody out there like you who uh, wants to talk about them and make sure that they get heard uh, by uh, uh, a much larger audience. So uh, thank you so much for having me and your continued support of, of me, you know, because uh, uh, <laughs> uh, it, it's, you know, we, we are creative people and, and you have an excellent podcast you've been doing for so long and, and that forever. <laughs> no, it, it, it's it's really it's amazing, and I will always and and if if you just got into pop culture case, go back and listen to the Planet of the Apes episode because that's the one that's the one that like and perfect timing. Planet of the Apes is coming out this weekend. It's perfect yeah. tie-in. Look at you, well done. Absolutely, I'm made for this. <laughs> so before you go, why don't you tell people one more time where they can follow you on Twitter? Yeah, you can follow me at oh darn that dream oh um and and just be, here here here's some special features right here um it, it the, the reason it's oh darn that dream is because somebody took darn that dream um i was wondering about it, that yeah <laughs> it, it's actually from a um the last song. like that seems unnecessarily complicated that's <laughs> the uh the last song on the album uh Birth of the Cool by Miles Davis is uh, called Darn That Dream. All of the other tracks are instrumentals, and all of a sudden this uh, song starts with uh, a very um, a great voice. Uh, it's the only song that has lyrics, and it starts with Darn That Dream, and the chorus ends with Oh, Darn That Dream. And so I don't there know why, go. but that song really stuck out to me, um, and I just latched onto it. Because nothing makes you think of it. Bollywood like Miles Davis. It's good. <laughs> Miles Davis, like, exactly. That's like the most web thing you could have done. <laughs> I know. It's incredible. Know. No connection to the pop podcast at all, just... But the podcast artwork, just for reference, you know, just another fun fact, is my home in India where I grew up. Nice. So uh, I, I do have, yeah, when I was thinking of uh, titles, I don't know why that one stuck out to me, but it just did. So, All right. 
All right. Thank you once again for being here. Uh, the next, uh, thanks for, uh, listening everybody to this, uh, this kind of extra episode. So the next, the next time you hear me, we will be doing, uh, an episode on Let Me In, uh, because of that new Planet of the Apes movie, the same director, Matt Leeds. So we will have Chris Maynard of Following Films. So stay tuned. But when I. Hey, bud. Okay. All right. You ready for this? Uh, before we begin, I just want to... Um... Okay. Right. Right. Here we go. Are you recording? Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Here we go. You two-faced son of a jackal. See, there. Aladdin. Right there. That's all. Like, I'm, I'm telling you, Disney is missing out. It's true. <laughs> they wanted, like, the slightly overweight, bald, hairy, yes. everywhere else Aladdin. <laughs> it's time for the everyday, the, the everyman Aladdin. The everyday too. hero. That's, come on. <laughs> Forget about Riz Ahmed. Come on, let's... <laughs> this is it. This is the Aladdin that they need. <laughs> it was like... <laughs> Can I get a PlayStation out here? Genie's like, is that it? <laughs> it's not um... the Aladdin they want, but it's the Aladdin they need. That's, that's where we're at. Oh my god. You know... That you don't care. Just to change the mood